Good afternoon and welcome to the Ladies Football Edition of the Third Half. Tipperary's Ashley McCarthy has met the headlines and history by joining the West Coast Eagles in Australia and I'm glad to say she is with us to talk about that and Cairns' victory over Aherlo in the Premier County. The All-Ireland Post-Primary School Senior A final has been among the major talking points in recent weeks and Colin Duffy chats with me about the saga and is it truly the end of this story. We results from around the country and much more here on The Third Half. So let's start with the results of the weekend. We start with the Cork Senior Ladies Football Championship. Morn Abbey 15 points, Aero 0 10. Ada 5 9, Fermoy 1 10. And St. Fals 2 11, Kinsale 1 10. Kerry Senior Ladies Football Championship, Ratmore 1 17, The Gale 2 7. Southern Gales 5 27, Buford 2 8. Tipperary Senior Ladies Football Championship, Moy Rovers 8.30, Kappa White 1.5, Clomel Commercials 4.11, Templemore 13 points, and Cahir 1.16, Aherlow 2.12. Donegal Senior Ladies Football Championship, Glen Finn 11 points, Nate Connell 8. Sligo Senior Ladies Football Championship, Kifa 2.8, St. Mary's 7 points, St. Nathie's 2.16, St. Michael's 2.10. In Roscommon, it finished Kilbride 3.17, Kilglass Gales 2 points, Clonagale 518, St. Mary's Tulsk 1-4, and Shannon Gales 212, Western Gales 5 points. Leitrim Senior Ladies Football Championship, Glen Carmanor Hamilton 317, Kiltorbert 1-5, St. Francis 113, St. Bridget's 3 points, and St. Joseph's 110, Balnamore Shono Heslin's 3-4, a draw. Wexford Senior Ladies Football Championship, St. Anne's 311, Clongeen 27, Shelmalier 312, Clonlee 38. Adamstown 1-9, Crossbeg Ballymurn 10 points, and Dunbrody Gales 3-10, Clonard Volunteers 2-7. The Loud Senior Ladies Football Championship, St. Patrick's 1-19, St. Kevin's Hunterstown 1-11, Geraldine's 5-10, Cooley Kickham's 3-10, Newtown Blues 1-14, St. Mocta's 1-11, and St. Bride's 2-14, Stabannon Parnell's 1-7. And finally, in the Kildare Senior Ladies Football Championship, Eadstown 113, Leaks up 2-4, Sarsfield 7-12, Moorfield a point, Convey 8-10, Carberry 2-10, and St. Lawrence's 11-11, Suncroft 2-10. Now I'm delighted to be joined by somebody making the news just after the bank holiday weekend as we talk to Cahir and Tipperary's Ashley McCarthy. And Ashley, in first sec, congratulations. Thanks a million. Um, yeah, I was looking forward to the news coming out, but... It was a little bit daunting as well as, you know, it's quite foreign as a Gaelic footballer to transfer to a different clubs. So I was a little bit scared about the reaction, but um, deep down I knew it was the right thing for me at the time. So I'm just delighted now that it's out in the open. Just before we just um, talk briefly about how it all came about, by my reckoning, you're the first non-Australian to transfer clubs in Aussie rules. Um, yeah, I think... Um, between Irish and I know there's an American girl and also there's an American boy, Mason Cox, as well, playing for Collingwood. And I think I'm probably the first, um, I suppose, non-Australian to move between clubs. And, you know, it happens a lot in soccer and rugby, but it doesn't really happen in Gaelic football. And, you know, you play for the same club all your life. And if you're lucky enough to represent your county, um, you play with them on, until you hang up that jersey. So it is a bit of an alien um, thing to do, but... Um, when the opportunity came up, it isn't something that I could refuse. So um, I'm just delighted now to 
to get the pen on paper and um, get it announced today. And I'm looking forward to heading over to Perth as well, a different part of the world. So it's nice as well that I'll get to explore uh, other parts of the world as well um, through, you know, continuing to play sport. And of course, you mentioned there a different part of Australia will be exciting to see as well. But you mentioned about the opportunity coming up. So just give us a brief description. How did the opportunity come up that you ended up moving from the Western Bulldogs to the West Coast Eagles? Um, well, I guess after the season uh, got cut short this year, um, the trade period um, got postponed until August. But, you know, it gave clubs the opportunity probably to suss out um what they wanted or needed for the year coming and I spoke to a couple of clubs um, in the last month or so um, leading up to this trade period and I just felt that West Coast um, got to know me so well as a person and they really got the holistic picture and understood as well that my physio career is very important to me so um, they actually have a, a physio clinic um, connected to their club so I'll get the opportunity in a small way as well to shadow and just continue to, to learn um, in my physio career, which I which I find is quite important because in my last two stints over in Australia, I've had to park my physio career for, for the six months I was over there. So I do think that's a, a really important part um, of my life. And it's something that I want to make sure I'm continually learning and developing, um, even though I'll be concentrating on sport as well. And, you know, they've had um, two Irish players and even Grace Kelly there last year and the way they adopted them and, how they were treated, um, they just ticked all the boxes and they really um, catered really well for international players. So, you know, um, I'm really thankful to Bulldogs for everything they've done in the past two seasons. But I just felt, um, you know, over the last uh, couple of weeks that this um, move would be really important for just me as a person in general. You mentioned there about Grace and Neve Kelly. They've signed extensions as well until 2022. So having that Irish connection is important. Do you like the relationship you would have had with Katie Heron uh, with the Bulldogs as well? Did you talk to Grace and Neve before making your final decision? Um, yeah, definitely. It's uh, really nice having that Irish connection. And, you know, you have the same running patterns and you can kind of read each other off the ball um, because the Gaelic football background. So, you know, I do think it really helps and I really enjoyed playing with Katie. But, yeah, I definitely would have spoken to, I suppose, Neve and Grace in a small way over the last couple of weeks. I didn't want to uh, let that out of the bag, I, I guess, but I did want to get a feel for how they um, enjoyed their time and they were really honest with me and they spoke really well of the club and how well they were treated and you know their plans for the next couple of years so um, I think that that did uh, it is something that I considered what they what they said and and they only had good things to say but you know I'm obviously going to be sad to leave Katie behind as well um, and I'm sure that she'll um, really enjoy her time with Bulldogs and hopefully she'll continue to kick on after her debut season as well so um it was tough to leave Katie, but I'm glad that I'll have kind of an Irish contingent to, um, on my first day when I walk in the door of my new club. I'll, I'll, there'll be a few um, familiar faces. Now, Ashley, as well, you made one good point before we move on from it as well, because uh, your career is very, very important too. People hear about you all hitting down to Aussie rules and probably think you're on six, seven-figure salaries, but it's not quite that. And you have to be keeping your physiotherapy career in mind with every decision that you make. Yeah, and I suppose that's something I probably tried to talk a little bit about in my interviews that I've done over the past couple of years, that people do think, you know, you're off um, in Australia making a lot of money, but, you know, in the men's game, there probably is a little bit more money, but in the women's game, it's more about the experience to play a professional sport, and, you know, you, you do um, get paid, but um, it's not 
a whole pile and at the same time then we're restricted a little bit with our visas and how much work you can do or if we can even work at all so um it is difficult to get those opportunities to continue with your um, career that you have outside of football but um this club have found a way where i can even just continue to learn and um work alongside and shadow some of the best physios that they have working with elite athletes so um i just found that that was um a really exciting thing that i'd definitely be able to continue developing my physio career and then when I came home I could utilize different things that I learned in Australia and bring them home to my career in Ireland and you know I've been working the last few months as well in a hospital here in um, Port Leash and I've uh, found that my career my physio career outside of football is really important to me and you know sport can get taken away from you so quickly as we've all learned in the last few months so I do feel like it's important um, to make sure that you keep growing in the other aspects of your life um, outside of sport as well. Of course, you were down in Melbourne too and you came home just before the pandemic kicked in and as you mentioned there, you're in Midlands Regional Hospital in Port Leash at the moment. Actually, what was that experience like? Because it was definitely, I suppose, going from one extreme to the other, dare I say. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, um, we were in the thick of um, all the action over in Australia and unfortunately things got cut short. But you know, there was bigger things happening in the world and we were just glad to get home. And in a way, the lockdown was nice at the start. Um, I could spend a lot of time with my family, which is something that I haven't obviously done in the previous six months. And I felt last year when I came home from Australia, I went straight into the GA season and straight into working again. And um, I just found it a bit overwhelming. So it was nice to have that little bit of time to myself to kind of get back into reality in Ireland. And um, then I sent my CV around and um, trying to find a job and kind of studying and things um, for physio because obviously I hadn't worked in, in that profession for that six months. So um, I just I did find it, it nice to start with. But then obviously, as the weeks went on, um, I was looking forward to starting work and getting a, a routine and looking forward to um, Gaelic football getting back as well because I hadn't played it in so long. And actually, just be, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll go into back to football at home in a second, but as you mentioned physiotherapy too, because as you say, you'll get the shadow and work with some top people in Australia now. Dare I say, if you were still playing down there in two or three years' time, could your visa allow you to potentially seek out a career in Australia, or are you fully focused on a career in Ireland when your playing days are done? Um, so at the moment, um, the visas that most of us go out on are sponsored by the club that we play for. So your only income can be from that club, um, that football club. So I suppose um, we're looking into different avenues where potentially we could work on the side. Um, but, you know, uh, the visas are quite strict over there. So um, I'm not really sure what the option is. But potentially if I was to decide to kind of move to Australia, I'm sure um, I could potentially, you know, work alongside sport. But at the moment... I kind of only have decided to go like six months in Australia and come home and represent Tipperary and then um, stuff like that. So it's not as big of a, a life choice, I guess. Whereas um, if I was to kind of move my whole life over to Australia, I definitely think it would be um, a bit of a bigger choice. But um, at the moment, you can do both. Um, but the way that the AFL women's um, program is going, they're trying to increase the length of the season and the length of, of preseason. So, you know, that's going to eat into um, Gaelic football season as well so you know down the line there will be bigger decisions to be made but at the moment I'm just enjoying the fact that I kind of have six months playing professional sport and in a different part of the world and then I kind of I come home to my family and I have six months of reality and playing Gaelic football as well which is my first love um sports wise as well. 
and dare I say, are in no rush because we will go back to the other main topic that we had originally planned to talk to you about at the start, and that was uh, club football with Care. You came home, you had to self isolate for a couple of weeks, and as you said, you got a chance to take a break. It must be great now to be back, back playing at county football, and especially when you get a one point victory over a hero. Yeah, um, definitely, you know, and it's actually really nice that we just have club um, at the moment. You know, you can give a lot more time to your club, whereas I felt over the past few years, um, you kind of try to divide your time between county and club. And sometimes club football training is the, the one that suffers a little bit. So it's nice to be able to be at all the club trainings and put 100% of the focus into that. So, yeah, we played against the reigning um, county champions, Arhalo. So it was really nice to get a one-point win against them. And, you know, they're formidable op- opponents and they really put it up to us. And, you know, um, we won't take anything from it too much. They had a couple of really, really good players missing. And one of those is um, one of my teammates that plays a tip, Anna Rose, as well. And she's been out for the last um, while because she did her ACL. So potentially, you know, when it comes to knockout stages, she could be back playing so that would be a big ask to them so we're taking each game at a time and um, we have a break this weekend and then we're out against more rovers as well who put up a big scoreline against Kappa white um so we know that they'll be um another tough opponent as well and then Kappa white's our last game but our group is um is really tough and only two come out of it to get to, to the knockout stages so we kind of have to win every match to ensure that um, we'll potentially get out um into the semi-final stage yeah, because, and it's a good point, actually, because you're not guaranteed anything yet, even though with the victory over Hello and then, of course, Kappa White just never happened for them against Moyle Rovers. You, you must be very confident now, obviously not taking your eye off the ball, that you can make the semi-finals. Yeah, well, it, you know, it takes off a little bit of pressure that we um, uh, got a one-point win over Arhello, especially because they probably would be um, the ones that everyone's targeting in our group um, because they are the reigning champions so to get a win over um, such a big team was um, a really good morale boost as well but you know Cap White um, they lost last week to Moyrovers but they're a really proud um, club and they have such a history in senior football in Tipperary and I'm sure they'll have a point to prove in their next two games so um, it's nearly dangerous um, that Moldovers put up such a high score because I'm sure they'll come out to try to prove themselves against the rest of us. So, um, you know, there'll be probably a little bit of a target on our back now because of um, the fact that we bet our low, but um, we just have to take it week by week. And Moldovers are a very, very even team all over the pitch. Um, so that will be another tough, tough game as well. Yeah, Moldovers will see these next. Two games was an opportunity because not just being Arlo being the defending champions, but also yourselves and your pedigree in recent years as well. So it is a very, very dangerous contest to go into, despite the fact that you won your open match. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've spoken to um, other girls on other teams, um, even just last week, I was speaking to a lot of the Clomel Commercials girls, and they're in the other group. And we were saying how open the Tipperary Club Championship it is with the girls and how, you know, anyone could really get to, the, to knockout stages. And once you qualify for knockout stages as well, anything can happen. So um, we're just, yeah, keeping the head down over the next couple of weeks and focusing on model overs. And then um, we'll kind of, I suppose, set ourselves up again after that. But um, that's our big focus at the moment. And, you know, just recovering from the other day as well, because it was a very physical match as well. And um, it was very tiring. And it was our first competitive match Um you know, this year as well. So there's a few few sore bodies. So we'll just make sure that we get ourselves right then um, this week, uh, heading into next week, the championship as well. 
Well, we wish you the best of luck in the remaining championship games. Just a quick question on later in the year. I know you're due down pre-season sometime in November, but beforehand there's the small matter of the inter-county championship and no doubt you're looking forward to getting back together as a panel. This season, well, back in senior football, but also to Ashton, as well as a good point, guaranteed to stay there for two years. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that's something that I find um, is probably really important for us because we've been that little bit of a yo-yo team over the last couple of years. And um, I think, you know, being, there's nothing to lose this year. So um, we're just going to go out in the first round against Galway and, um, you know, put our, our foot down on that day and hopefully we'll come away with a win. But, you know, no one has anything to lose. And I think you, you can kind of brush off the shackles a little bit and just go for it. Whereas, um, you know, there probably is a little bit more pressure if there was relegation um, because people might be talking about us and how we've kind of been up and down the last few years. So, you know, the girls, I've missed obviously the Division 1 league the last couple of years being away in Australia, but the girls have really put down a marker showing that they're well able to compete with the top, you know, eight or nine um, teams in the country. So um, I do think that it's important that we continue to progress at senior level and at least this year we just go for it. We have another year in Division 1 league and then we can progress again to a second year in the senior championship and I think we'll really bring on all our younger players and you know anything can happen as well this year I think will be a very open championship with everything that's gone on and um, it'll be really interesting as well it's only four games and you, you get to an All-Ireland um, and you know potentially win so um, it's really open and you know anything can happen on the day. Well, Ashley, we wish you the very best luck with Tipperary and McCaher as well. And of course, when you head back down under, the later the better, I suppose, depending on how Tipperary season uh, goes. We'd love to continue talking with you, but we've run out of time. Ashley McCarthy, thanks a million for joining us and congratulations again. Thanks a million for having me. Delighted to be joined now by a regular analyst, Colleen Duffy, here on the third half. And Colleen, we're going to have a chat about um, a saga that's been taking place over the last couple of weeks. And it's to do with the fact that as things stand, and there'll be a reason why I say that in a while, uh, the All-Ireland Senior Post-Primary Schools A Ladies Football Final and a couple of others as well uh, are not going to be taking place this year. Yeah, from the middle to the end of last week, Darren, it uh, took on... um, I suppose, new legs in some respects. Uh, Obviously, a lot of focus on the All-Ireland Schools final, ladies' football final between Moat CS and Clunmel. And this one's gone back a number of months. One of the last games to be played before the lockdown in March was an All-Ireland semi-final. And, uh, of course, um, both of these schools have uh, an interesting history, I suppose, in, in the last couple of years in terms of All-Ireland schools, competitions. Um, but they're not the only schools to be affected. Six post-primary schools, ladies' football competitions in total, three senior and three junior, all cancelled back in March because of COVID-19. And understandably, public health advice was then followed. Uh, the games were postponed and ultimately cancelled. Um, and uh, certainly all involved in terms of the schools and the players and the parents and everything else. Um, they still want the action, uh, but the LGFA has drawn a line in the sand on it by issuing a statement last Friday regarding the Lidl All-Ireland Post-Primary Schools competitions. 
uh, seeing that they acknowledge that schools and players... Yeah, Colin, just hold there one second, actually. I'm just going to go through that for you first and we pick it yeah. point by point if that's okay because we have it here in front of us as well. It says, the Ladies Getting Football Association wishes to make the following statement regarding the Little All-Ireland Post-Primary Schools competitions. The LGFA acknowledges that schools and players across all six competitions were left disappointed when, in unprecedented circumstances, the extremely tough decision was taken in March to cancel the Little Post-Primary Schools All-Ireland Championships for 2020. The decision was taken in the best interest of all relevant stakeholders and in line with government and public health authority advice following the onset of COVID-19. The LGFA is proud of its role in helping to limit the spread of COVID-19 and at all times the health and well-being of all of our members has been our primary concern and that will continue to be the case. We are delighted that club activity has resumed across the country and we very much hope that local competitions will be completed ahead of a planned return to inter-county activities in October. However, it should be noted that the total of 85 confirmed new cases of COVID-19 reported yesterday, that's Thursday, the statement came out last Friday, is the highest daily number since late May and public health officials are extremely concerned by recent trends. It is quite clear that COVID-19 remains a very real threat to our, to our members and their families and we will continue to play our part in the fight against coronavirus. At present, the clear and prescient advice is that fixtures should be played at local county level only before return to national activity later in the year. COVID-19 and its associated dangers are still very much with us and will be for some time. In the current climate, we cannot and will not sanction any fixture that involves participants from separate provinces and until the inter-county window officially opens. The LGFA stands on the 2020 Little All-Ireland Post-Primary Schools competitions and indeed other competitions and initiatives affected has not changed since it was first communicated in March and reaffirmed following a recent review. We will not be revisiting decisions relating to the health and safety of our members, which remain wholly relevant, and we consider these matters closed. Now, Coney, the one thing I just come backwards here, picking up on it, but as they say, they're not going sanctioning games between different provinces at the moment. And based on the figures we've had recently, you know, nobody can really blame them. But are they shutting down the window completely here, or is there a chance that this could be revisited in October? Well, um, I suppose that we have the plan return to inter-county games in October. We have a pathway for those games to take place at senior, intermediate and junior level, of course, with the adult inter-county teams. A lot of people will argue there's not too many games left to be completed in these competitions. I mentioned how the two teams we're talking about here uh, Loretto, Clonmel and Motes yes, both qualified uh, following All-Ireland semi-final wins in March and indeed um, just looking back through um, some of the games, Loretto's semi-final was on March 12th um, Motes was a bit before that uh, well, sorry, their Leinster final win was on December 20th and then their um, All-Ireland semi-final win came on March 11th. So March 11th and 12th were when these teams won their All-Ireland semi-finals. There is, a, there is a glimmer of hope in October, but as you mentioned, um, there's a lot of um, cases of coronavirus around at the moment. Thankfully, fewer deaths, but certainly the number of cases have been on the general increase in the last week or so. And it's expected when schools get back to normal and when... Uh, 
some more normality might set in that those uh, cases could increase even further. Indeed, in a number of countries, we're seeing an increase in cases. So that potential second wave that had been talked about for months is possibly here already. But going back to the Gaelic football, and certainly, I suppose, um, when people look at it and they say, oh, there's only a handful of games left to be played. I know in the case um, specifically, of Moat CS and Loretto Clonmel and both schools are completely supportive of all efforts being made to try and get the final safely played uh, that according to Moat CS principal Tom Lowry uh, speaking to the Irish Independent last Thursday Sinead Grant of Loretto echoing those sentiments saying that we've had very in-depth conversations with our school principal and our school deputy principal and they're 100% behind backing the team and want the game played as well the, the, uh, the main thing here is uh, the schools want the game to be played and the other schools want the games to be played, but they also want them to be played in a safe manner. We saw recently the Leinster uh, Boys Schools finals were played in uh, Cusick Park, Mullingar and O'Connor Park, Tullamore respectively. And uh, very safe procedures there, tickets issued, uh, the standard protocols that are in place for GA fixtures at the moment as well, a limit on attendance, and it was all organized very well. Now, th those involved um, schools from Westmead, Longford, Kildare and Westmead, and um, I suppose uh, the, the point there was it wasn't interprovincial, it was neighboring counties. Um, you read the LGFA statement there, and one of the key things in the return to action protocols is um, trying to limit long distance travel and uh, this is uh, the LGFA taking their lead from the GA at this one. We talked recently of um, you know the inter-county fixtures returning in both Camogie and ladies football, potential finals being played in Crow Park for the most part and all of this is the LGFA, the Camogie Association and the GA uh, speaking with each other, making decisions together and trying to do what's right uh, for all the various games and for the health of the nation as well. And as that LGFA statement says, the clear and precinct advice is that fixtures should be played at local county level only before a return to national activity later in the year. Um, the danger is very much or still with us, of course, with uh, COVID-19. And that statement, as you mentioned, continuing to say in the current climate, we cannot and will not sanction any fixture that involves participants from separate provinces until the inter-county window officially opens. So that last part of that sentence uh, offers that glimmer of hope. Um, I suppose some people will argue that there's been um, a lot of uh, challenge games, I suppose, at the start of the window and returning to play, uh, played between adult GA teams, and that a lot of those uh, were from different counties, obviously. Now, I don't know if any touched on uh, cross provinces, but we did have uh, the case, for example, where you had, I think it was Faith Harriers from Wexford traveling up to Offaly for an inter-county hurling game. Uh, sorry, a, a challenge, uh, in a, a, but that was inter-county. And like the distance from Wexford to Offaly uh, would be um, 
longer than uh, perhaps uh, Mo to Clonmel or certainly a similar kind of a distance. And um, we're talking in that case of uh, Faith Harriers from Wexford actually traveling to Offaly. Here with the schools, we would have an intercounty, uh, a neutral venue, uh, which would be between Moat and Clunmel, somewhere like Port Leash, for instance. I was just uh, going to say, Nina, and you know, it it it, it makes. I, I I don't know. Like, I suppose the overall thing here is, everyone has the health of the nation, the health of these particular students in particular in question, um, in terms of coronavirus. But you also want to think of mental health you know it is healthy to be out playing games um you know there, there's different cases these are schools that are, are really working hard uh, to get things right i know in the case of the boys games the schools liaise very closely with the leinster council to get those fixtures played there's arguments on both sides but when it's so few fixtures and it's so few people involved um, it, it's very hard to see I, I suppose the overriding thing is the LGFA here are being uber cautious and is that overly cautious or is it the right decision it's hard to say 100% either way but I suppose the one thing here is the, the girls in the schools the parents, the friends, the schools themselves and their fellow students uh, are all very disappointed here in the various schools and you can understand it and you can see why and um, it'll be interesting to, to see if this one rumbles on uh, further into the autumn and if there's a chance to get these games played. Because I know in other codes, not just in Gaelic games, I know in rugby as well, there's talk of a Leinster Schools rugby final, uh, which is between two Kildare schools for the very first time. And that's not even being played at the moment. And those schools are within the same county. Yeah, and look, just going to say there, go back to um, that Leinster boys game between St. Joseph's, Rockford Bridge and Nace CBS. That was obviously the, the straw that broke the camel's back in regards to the situation with Mo Community School and Loretto Clamel. And like, let's just get the unpopular thought out of the way. Like, the Ladies Skelly Football Association have to be complimented for the fact that, you know, they're putting the safety of their members first. And we're comparing these things to GA matters. And we have another letter we're going to read out in a second as well. But, Colleen, at the end of the day, when you're a 16, 17-year-old, girl or a boy is the case case may be if we're if it was a different code as well you're seeing these teams get to play a final you can't and while you'd have to agree with the postponing of the national leagues and even in camogie while it's hard and temporary and mead camogie teams you didn't have the actual final pairings i'm just wondering is it wise to be shutting the door on this when you have the two finalists and it's only a matter of as i think shannon mulvell said in her letter to the minister of sport catherine Marin, they just want 60 minutes sometime it doesn't have to be next week just sometime mm, I, I i take your point there and i'd agree and um, just to go back and something you said there about an unpopular uh, view maybe of, of the LGFA's stance on this. I don't think anyone would argue that we have to put the safety of players first, of people first, of their parents first. I mean, this all feeds into a, a far bigger picture than just Gaelic games as well. And it it really, um, you know, I, when when you have a global pandemic, how careful can you be? Um, I suppose people compare one situation with another. Uh, we, we've got two very similar situations here with those boys' finals and the girls' finals as well. Um, 
I suppose we also see uh, an increase in cases in GA clubs over the last couple of weeks as well. And not a couple of days goes by now where there hasn't been a a case of COVID-19. And that's something to be very concerned about. And I suppose luckily enough, um, for the, to the best of my knowledge, none of those cases have been among ladies' football teams at the moment, uh, which is brilliant to see, or indeed Camogie teams either. Um, but that's not to say that that won't happen. And it just takes one person to slip their guard. And while everybody can be cautious uh, and different things, you know, you're talking about a lot of different families involved with teams as well. Um, in the case of the boys' match, uh, the two games, the two Lancaster finals, the senior A and the senior B finals that were played, that was very close to the start of action returning as well. And I think if this, if if these games ha- had been sorted, um, you know, the guts of a month ago now at this stage, um, you know, maybe that would have been for the best. Um, but I think, you know, it, there was a lot of work went on behind the scenes in terms of the boys' fixtures with the Leinster Council. As we said, it was just within the province, um, you know, not too far in terms of distances and different things as well. And I suppose to to credit the LGFA and also the GA as well, like the GA have cancelled all all Ireland series competitions in schools. At the start of their process, and indeed a couple of weeks in, uh, to what they were going to do in terms of a fixtures plan for the rest of the year, they had considered all Ireland stages action, but the current health and public health advice, which Crow Park and the GA are taking on, and ultimately the LGFA in this case, and Camogie, I'm sure as well, when it came to um cancelling those all Ireland stages Camogie uh, minor competitions, was that. GA games should be played at local level, hence the return of club competition with inter-county activity delayed until mid-October. National schools finals aren't considered local activity. And as I said, the GA already cancelled the All-Ireland series of the schools competitions for this year. And it's understood that the LGFA is taking the lead uh, from Crow Park in line with health and government guidelines. And so this mightn't just be the LG, this to me is not the LGFA taking a stance on its own. It's not the GA taking a stance on its own. It's in line with health and government guidelines. And they're only trying to be consistent here. And while the games could take place and we might never have a case of coronavirus and everything might be good in the world, there's no certainty around every around anything uh, regarding the coronavirus, regarding life in general at the moment. And as low, as much as I'd love for these games to be played personally, um, I don't think now is the time for them. Um, there might be that opening in October again. I suppose the thing about October is um, you're looking into a new school year. You're looking at people having moved on. I suppose there's a lot of different things at play as to why people will want these finals to be played. Obviously, 
you know, everyone wants a well, game like, of football. Well, just, and also, come and, in there for a second because yeah. you know you have the two teams there. We've mentioned that already, and it's understandable. Like, let's call a spade a spade. And like the ladies' Skelly football association, they were at the front back in March too. They have been consistent, and they deserve all the plaudits for standing up. And nobody's criticising the LGFA there. And of course, we're comparing uh, to different organisations like the GA, Leinster Rugby. You were talking about mm-hmm. a few minutes ago as well. Well, nobody's questioning that. Like, we, we this is. Uh, interview has been recorded on Tuesday so we don't have Tuesday's figures in regards uh, cases or hopefully uh, no deaths in regards COVID-19 but there has been over 200 cases over the last four days so rightfully so we have to be careful there that we don't get too laxy. We've seen the the pictures in Kilkee and we've seen the tourists out over the bank holiday weekend as well and you know uh, after the good work the Irish people have done you know maybe some are just maybe um, not realising that we're not over the line yet but just going back Anyway, keep them back in track here. Just going to quickly read you this letter. We, as I mentioned, uh, we've heard about Shannon Mulvehill from Moat uh, writing to the Minister for Sport, Catherine Martin. This was a letter that was in the Irish Times last week. It was from Avril Gagan from Loretto Clamel. I'm just going to read it quickly first. I wish to express my deepest disappointment in the Ladies Gaelic Football Association about the recent cancellation of the girls' senior post-primary schools All-Ireland final. I'm a leaving certificate student in Loretto Clamel. This year, I was part of the team that medded to the A-Ladies PPS All-Ireland final due to COVID-19. We were unfortunately unable to play this match, but now the restrictions are lifting and GA matches are going ahead. We are seeking to play this final as both teams, Loretto SS Clamel and Moat CS are keen. Shannon Mulvell from Moat and Kellyanne Hogan and myself, Avril Gagan from Loretto Clamel, along with our coaches, have written several errors to the LGFA asking for this match to be played, but they have rejected all our requests. This news was extremely hard to accept, but even harder to accept when we found out the boys' provincial A and B finals were allowed to be played. This is unacceptable and sexist. However, we are still not giving up on our dreams of playing All-Ireland. We would like to draw attention to this heartbreaking cancellation, yours, etc. Avril Gagan, Clonmel, County Tipperary. Now, let's just take two things in this calling before I go back to you. One is, look, as I mentioned already, a teenage girl, she's very, very, very upset. And the word sexist is thrown out there. Obviously, the Ladies Gaelic Football Association can't do anything about decisions that are made by Leinster, GA, or the GA in regards to a provincial final as well. I'm just wondering, Colleen, uh, would these players be advised or even the teachers to kind of go, let's set the target for the winter, let's set the target for post-October the 17th and let's ask the Ladies Gaelic Football Association, will they revisit the matter closer to the time rather than putting uh, putting a nail in it now? Um, I suppose, firstly, I just want to say I have to admire um, the girls for putting their head above 100%, 100%. the carpet and, and making... Um, those statements and I know they were on radio and in newspapers as well doing interviews and different things and you know for writing those letters in the first place and um, a very admirable thing to do and it shows the interest and everything that they have um, for uh, the LGFA in sport. Emma Kelly, uh, the vice captain of Moat, uh, released a message uh, saying, you know, um, every time someone would try and diss the LGFA or ladies football, we stood up for it as we believed it would do the same for us. However, the situation proves that we were wrong. And I, I, I don't think necessarily the situation proves that they were wrong, but it certainly shows um, that the respect that those girls, those players have 
uh, for the LGFA, for ladies football in general, and how they're very passionate about their sport. And that's just brilliant to see. And Loretto Clonmel's Avril Gagan, another one of those, she wrote a letter to the Irish Times. Um, so you can't fault uh, the passion and interest and the drive and the leadership um, shown by these girls in order to try and get this game played. Um, unfortunately, the term sexist was used and um, you know th- this isn't this isn't um, an LGFA problem as such, um, or indeed it's not a GA problem. As I said earlier, I think they're taking their lead from the government and health official advice on this, and it's not just uh, Gaelic games. It's just unfortunate that these games have kind of fallen into the mix where the competitions weren't finished. Um, and and certainly, um, you're talking about competitions um, being played later in the year and shifting the focus towards later in the year. And I know myself as national third level ladies football PRO just a day before our weekend was due to take place, um, in Tralee this year back in March, I I was I was. Uh, due to do an interview on RTE Radio on the Gale Talk to, uh, talking about the weekend taking place and in the space of 20 minutes while I was waiting in the studio uh, to shift uh, from everything or most of it going ahead to none of it going ahead and all those colleges players a uh, 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 similar amount of uh, teams maybe a little bit more in fact uh, to what are left um, in the uh, ladies football and the post-primary schools uh, we'd a lot of uh, teams disappointed and you know there's been talk of would we get to play those games eventually would you use the same panels obviously girls have moved on and have finished college and different things and um, but the thought process uh, also and um, part of the thought process was it would be nice for those teams to have some closure for the girls who are in their final uh, year of college and finishing up um, you know, for those to be able to to draw a line under, and I suppose that's one of the things uh, from from these girls' perspectives with the three senior uh, competitions. You know, a lot of those girls were in leaving search year. They didn't have to get. They didn't get to have their graduation. They didn't have their leaving cert exams. They may not have a debs. Um, you know, and it would be nice for those to put closure on their school years. And they they've gone through a lot, I suppose, in the last couple of months. So it'd be nice to finish uh, with all the girls back together, so to speak, again. Um, and that's where looking at October. It might be an option, but when you see an increase in cases, you wonder uh, if we get to October, where we're going to be in terms of options. You know, um, a lot of um, third level institutions, for instance, are moving uh, lectures online for the most part in different things. Um, there was talk of schools uh, coming back to maybe one or two days a week and not all uh, students would be in on different days. And that talk has moved now to getting everybody back to school. But then there's all the different logistical things of trying to get people back into schools, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of variables when it comes to students and it comes to schools and different things as well. But I think if one focused on perhaps getting these standalone fixtures played later in the year and focusing their energies towards that, that we might have an option as well. But but then I suppose 
you're intermingling with other different things. School is going to be a far more complicated setup this year as well. And you're pulling players from different areas and different things as well. We could have further lockdowns. There, there's so many questions that there are no answers to at the moment. And this is why as well, um, when, when organizing events and organizing games in a lot of cases, that sometimes people aren't looking too far down the line. I mean, we see in various cases when it comes to lockdowns and reopenings and different phases as well, that, that sometimes it's a matter of hours that notification are, uh, is given. You know, we saw in England the local lockdowns um, in the past week or so and how just a couple of hours beforehand people were notified that from midnight there was going to be lockdowns. But I think, you know, from a positive viewpoint, if one looks further down the line, a couple of months down the line, trying to target maybe an October, November date to play the games, I think everyone would like to play the games. And certainly, um, you know, if the, when you look at the school's action in terms of the GA, the All-Ireland stages competitions, as I said, um, were cancelled. And I think part of that was Ulster decided for their McCrory Cup final, for their main senior A boys football final, um, that that wouldn't be played until October and um, that that kind of put things out of kilter, whereas uh, I think Munster finished their competitions, possibly Connacht also, and Leinster obviously played their finals a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, so Ulster are playing their boys' uh, main final in October. It lines up with the um, corresponding rugby fixture as well. And traditionally, both of those games would have been played on St. Patrick's Day and would be live on TV and the BBC. So they're, they're working towards uh, that happening for both of those sports again. So maybe that's something that can be looked at in terms of the ladies football also, that those finals could be played in October and that some hope uh, could be given to these girls as well. But I suppose the overriding thing here is everyone is taking the lead from governments and health authority advice. And only if that advice changes, can organisations like rugby, like the LGFA and the GA and Camogie take action and then uh, tweak uh, their plans in accordance with those health and government guidelines as well. Good point there, Colin. Two questions before we wrap up. And as you mentioned there about closure for some of the teams, especially in the third level as well, and regards to these young players in the schools, um, there's an argument to say, Colin, that maybe the LGFA are wise to draw a line at the moment because it gives them the option to revisit later in the year rather than, I suppose, keep it stirring that there's a chance and ultimately disappoint the players, especially if we do get the second wave or another lockdown? Well, I suppose that's the thing, Darren. And I suppose to go back to the LGFA's statement, um, this, the second, third last paragraph, in the, ter- in the current climate, we cannot and will not sanction any fixture that involves participants from separate provinces and until the inter-county window officially opens. And we've talked at length about that already. And I think that's the overriding thing here. They're making that decision in accordance with other advice. And, you know, their stance hasn't changed. They've they've been consistent 
And um, although the last line of the statement, um, we will not be revisiting decisions relating to the health and safety of our members, which remain wholly relevant and we consider these matters closed. Um, although that sounds closure on the entire situation, I I'm sure common sense will prevail as well. And if there is a chance before the end of the year that these games might be able to be played, um, you know, uh, then uh, I'm sure they, they will be looked at again. But at present, as they say, the clear and precedent advice is that fixtures should be played at local county level only before a return to national activity later in the year. And I suppose the other thing within all of this as well, and it's something we've talked about a lot in recent weeks also, Darren, the LGFA, for the most part, don't own their own pitches, and um, neither do the Camogie Association. Both organisations have a handful of pitches. You could probably count on one hand the number of pitches that both organisations own between them. And that's a factor that we haven't talked about during this podcast, uh, but is majorly in play also. You know, it would be one thing to try and get these games played, and that will take a huge effort, uh, but also it requires pitches. And also we're talking about winter, and also we're talking about a heavier fixture schedule than usual for this time of the year as well. So there's a lot to come into play here. It would be nice to give a glimmer of hope and say that these games will be played. Uh, but also, as the months pass by, it's harder and harder to see. Um, you know, you're getting further and further away from when All-Ireland semi-finals were played, etc., etc. As I said, girls have moved on. Life has moved on. Everyone would like these games to be played. Um, but the big question mark remains, will they be played as it stands at the moment, they won't be played. The competitions have been cancelled. And unless the LGFA do major U-turn here, they won't be played. And it's unlike the LGFA to do major U-turns as well. Yeah, and like, as I say, we, we're going to wrap up with this. Uh, first things first, said the girls that have moved on. I don't think these girls have moved on yet, but again, we're trying to be balanced here as well. And the LGFA, we understand the decisions they've made due to health and safety and all that. Colleen, final note, and I think you've kind of answered the question already, but I'll ask you anyway. If figures improve, inter-county season is back on. Uh, like, we're talking about pitches there, but the LGFA still have to sanction the match for variable pitches as well. Is there any chance... With these players that they will see this final before Christmas or is it to put in your words time to move on if if like I mean the, the the LGFA has made the statement you know that the decision was taken in line in the best interests of all of the relevant stakeholders and in line with government and public health authority advice following the onset of COVID-19 um, and health and well-being of everybody is of prime concern here there, there's a slight glimmer of hope that these games will be played a very slight glimmer of hope and um, you know the, the pattern in terms of the way coronavirus is going there, there's more there's more feeding into this in general that would suggest that these games won't be played what would give a glimmer of hope is an improvement in the coronavirus situation but also um, government guidelines um, changing as well and, and changing hugely. Um, 
we, we see at the moment there's huge debate over whether to allow 500 at games or stick with the current 200. Um, Michal Martin has said to Taoiseach that, you know, he, he wasn't aware uh, or he didn't think that the 200 included all players and officials and then supporters as well, which really reduces it to around 80 to 90 supporters. I'd love to believe that. Um, and that's and that's very tough. Um, so while while I can't while while there isn't you know there there seems to be glimmers that it might move towards five hundred, um, but I can't see that happening. A lot of stuff in in the next phase, um, may not take place as quickly as possible either. And um, so we're moving at a snail's pace. We're moving at a much slower pace in terms of change here. And if the advice, and it is the advice, um, which has been given that national schools finals aren't considered local activity and that the LGFA and the GA has been taking their lead in line with health and government guidelines, um, you know, we're looking at October and, you know, I, I know I, I I've been fairly optimistic and, and fairly balanced and positive up to this in this particular podcast. Anyone who's listened to any of the previous ones will this have positive seen a bit of standards ne- calling immediately. Will, yes, will, will, will have seen a bit. Will have seen a bit of negativity from me and wondering will these inter county games that are scheduled for October ever get played? Um, you know, I, I, I suppose. I, I, I had hit a, a note of optimism up until about a week or 10 days ago when, you know, the number of deaths was down, the number of cases was in single figures, but we're hitting double, we've hit double figures majorly in, in the last while, in the last few days uh, on the number of cases. Uh, and really at the moment, I imagine uh, a lot of the energies in all the national organizations uh, in the case of rugby, in terms of the Pro 14 and different competitions, the European Cup, etc., um, is looking towards getting their bigger games, the, the, the bigger level games played as well. Not to disrespect the schools, these are big games, you know. Some are looking for their first All-Ireland titles and, you know, some in, in the case of... Um, in in the case of uh, Loretto Clonmel, I think have have lost three in a row and are trying to um to to, to uh, halt that bad run in, in deciders across a couple of grades, and um, but certainly it's I'd love to be optimistic and I'd love to say there's a glimmer of hope there, but I think closure has been brought in this particular situation by the LGFA and as the months rumble on, you know we have to look as well, um. People will be looking towards next year's fixtures and trying to get next year's fixtures started and played and how that happens. Um, So that has to come into the mix as well. And that's something we didn't talk about either, where next year's competitions lie in all of this as well. Uh, But at the moment, I'd have to give full credit, as I did earlier on, to the likes of Shannon Mulfahill, you know, done a couple of interviews, wrote the letter to the Green Party's deputy leader, Catherine Martin, who's the new minister uh, for media, chores, arts, culture, sport, and the Gale Talks. What a brief to have. Um, and also um, to Emma Kelly, you know, uh, Loretto Clemel's Avril Gagan. You know, if you don't bring this issue to the fore and if you don't fight, if you just lie down, well, then you've done nothing. 
And while these girls won't win all Ireland medals just purely on that, um, it shows that they've they've shown great leadership. I mean, Shannon Mulvihill is a transition year student. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what years the other girls are in, but but they've showed leadership belying their years as well. And um, I'm sure they put a lot of thought and effort into the different letters, different statements, etc. as well, and have researched uh, things a lot also. And I know the schools have lobbied the LGFA for months as well. Um, it's just 60 minutes. It's, it's hard to find that 60 minutes. It's hard to... Uh, put it all in into practice i suppose in the strange world we live in at the moment but I, i'm sure the fight will continue and um, this this battle isn't finished and um, i'm sure there was a lot of disappointment on friday following that lgfa statement but for everybody involved in this they only have the best interests at heart you know the girls who play a sport that they love and um, the lgfa who govern a sport that they love and who care about their members and don't want to see anyone sick or ill or, or God forbid, um, uh, uh, in a hospital uh, with COVID-19. And everyone cares about each other. And it's about all these uh, various stakeholders working together as well. A glimmer of hope still remains. That, that light is, is barely flickering at the moment, though, Darren. And, and unfortunately, um, I... I can't see these games ever being played. Um, it would be nice if the LGFA maybe came out and said that, you know, the schools could share the cup for this year or, or something like that, because um, it, it, it's more unlikely than likely that these games will be played. But I'm sure everyone concerned will, will still keep it in, in, in their minds to try and get these games played. Uh, but the feasibility of completing these competitions and um, it's getting harder and harder by the day. And um, I suppose, you know, no one expected COVID-19, no one expected it to have the impact that it had. Um, but this is one of the situations which is, has been terribly awkward, I suppose, as well. And it's disappointing for all concerned, but you know, it's um. I, I suppose it goes back to people thinking, oh, there's been a lot of cases over the past couple of months of COVID-19 in Dublin. Why is the rest of the country being treated the same? Likewise, why can two teams, two schools from counties in the one province uh, play against each other, but counties from outside the provinces can't? Um, you know, provinces are different sizes, counties are different sizes, they all have different populations, etc. It's very hard, it's like, very you know. hard, Darren. We could debate this for a lot longer than we're doing so now. We could go round in circles, uh, but ultimately, there's always going to be people disappointed. And unfortunately, at the moment, it's the pupils of those schools that are concerned but uh, rest assured, the LGFA have taken everything to con into consideration. And those officials that had to make this tough decision, uh, we feel for them as well in this particular scenario. But certainly, uh, all efforts, everyone's trying to put in the best effort concerned. And um, as I said, there is a glimmer of hope, but that's a very, very, very small glimmer. I'm going to be more positive than you, Colin. I'm going to keep the big hope there as well. But as you mentioned, like Avril Gagan from Clomel is a Leaving Cert student 
but the safety of all the people, the members, is first and foremost most important. We need to get those figures down. Uh, Colleen Duffy, thanks a million for joining us here to discuss that. It was a very, very good, a good conversation to have and we're delighted that we got the chance and sorry we didn't get to do it beforehand. As mentioned earlier on, this interview was recorded on Tuesday, so the podcast is going out Wednesday. We don't know yet the figures in regards if there's a change to the capacity of people going into um, matches or not, but we'll have that uh, uh, at the top of the show already if that was the case. Uh, we look forward to the rest of the action. Colleen Duffy, thanks for talking to us again. No problem at all. And I suppose for all of those girls uh, concerned, a lot of them leaving cert students as well. Uh, some perhaps uh, in the case of the junior competitions doing their junior cert. And we wish those girls all the best um, because the results, of course, will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. And we wish them all the best in the future and in their future careers. And I'm sure we'll see a lot of them on ladies' Gaelic football fields in the not too distant future as well. And of course, as mentioned, that interview was recorded yesterday and unfortunately, the government have not moved forward to phase four, which means all ladies football and camogie and matches in general in Ireland over the next three weeks will remain capped at 200 people, including participants. So finally, before we go, let's look at tonight's fixtures in the Dublin Senior Ladies Football Championship. All games throwing in at half seven. Clonagale Fontenoy take on Kilmagal Croaks, that's in Rings End. St. Bridges face Ballyboden St. Enders in Russell Park. St. Sylvester's are up against Nafina in Broomfield. And Thomas Davis meet Clontarf and that's in Kiltipper Road. And again, all games are at 7.30. And that's it for another edition of the third half. Our team song Barkbot 2000 is from Joseph McDade and you can hear more from him on josephmcdade.com slash music. Keep an eye out for this week's Fair Green while the curtain raiser will be back on Friday and we'll be looking ahead to the Senior Ladies Football Championships in Mayo and Armagh among others. With that, I'd like to thank our guests again, Ashley McCarthy and Colleen Duffy. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Darren Kelly and this was The Third Half.